Hi, this is Anthony Esposito from the infamous Ace Freely Band. Hello, my name is Blaze Bailey. Hi, this is Bruce Kewley. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attack. Hey everyone, this is Dave Menachetti from YNT. This is Dave Starr from Wildstar. What's up, this is Doc Coyle from the band God Forbid. Alright, this is Jason from uh, Kings of Modesty. What's happening? This is Jeremy Goldberg from Age of Evil. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony. Hey, what's up? This is Mercedes from Kitty. I'm Razzle Gruberg from New Keepers of the Water Towers. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owen. Hey, this is Steven from I Wrestled the Bear Once. Hey, this is Sarah. And this is Ivy. And we're half of Kitty. Hey, this is Wolf from the Chariot. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. Just stay tuned. Hi, this is Robert Flushman. Hey, everybody. This is Bobby Rock. Hey, this is Zach from Nonpoint, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Welcome, one and all, to episode number 10 of Mars Attacks Podcast. Within this episode, we will bring you an interview with Zach Broderick, guitarist of Nonpoint, who have just released an album at the beginning of this month. The name of the album is Miracle, and uh, behind us, you'll hear Miracle playing. What I'll do is uh, let the rest of the song play out, and then we'll jump right into the interview before coming out with more non-point music. On the phone, we have Zach from Nonpoint. We're going to ask him a few questions regarding the new Nonpoint album and a little bit about his history, gear, things like that. So right off the bat, tell us a little bit about the band you were in before getting into Nonpoint and how you actually got to play with Nonpoint. 
Uh, yeah, um, basically, um, buddy of mine, uh, his Sean from Soil, or she wasn't Soil, now he's in a band called Dirge Within. Um, he, he's a mutual friend with, uh, with a mutual friend, which is Rob, our drummer. And, uh, basically, uh, you know, he, he, Rob was putting out feelers for new guitar player. And, um, Sean had mentioned my name. And then, uh, my buddy Dan, uh, from Disturbed was, uh, like executive produced my last CD that I was in the last band I was in, and uh, he basically uh, knew the guys are now playing pretty well too. So um, you know, they talked to those guys and and you know uh, made sure I was legit. And then um, basically just you know besides just playing the songs, I mean they wanted to they wanted to see how my writing ability was, and that was uh, pretty much the most important thing about uh, getting the job. So I've written a bunch of songs for him and. Um, you know, we went on a, a tour real quick and, and started writing. Most of that record just was written on the first tour we went on and uh, some older stuff that I had archived in the archive for a while. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, just jammed with the guys and got along and just, uh, you know, clicked from the, from the beginning. So, it's okay. all been all good. Cool. And did you have to do any type of audition before getting to that, you know, uh, yeah. stage with the band? Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, I'd send them songs over the internet that I had recorded at home in my little home recording thing, and and uh, you know they came over when they were on um, tour. They came by my place, and uh, you know they they uh, I set up some drums and and everything like that. We jammed, and, and you know felt good, felt right, you know. So uh, you know tried some new stuff, played some old stuff. So um, yeah, you know we did that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, essentially they already knew that their other guitarist was either leaving or was going to be out of the band, and they were, you know, trying you out while they were on the road. No, he had already quit. He oh, was okay. Already, he, yeah, he had already, he had already, he had already left the band. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Aside from mentioning that you worked with Dan from Disturbed, obviously that means that you've had some type of you know professional work behind you before joining nonpoint with your previous band yeah what else did do you feel that you brought to the table from that band that helped you getting into nonpoint um you know, I, I just like to bring a lot of positivity and just uh you know uh, you guys tell me as much times i've brought in like a, a real like uh just fresh you know uh, you know kind of a new burst of energy that they they, they needed you know and um you know, listen, there's, you know, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to do when you got a guitar player that you have in 10 years that's, right. that's leaving the band. And then you got, you know, just we we left management shortly after that and, and uh, we, you know, left management on our label. So, you know, stay positive and just say, hey, guys, let's just write the best record. Let's do this. You know, just fired up and always came up with new ideas and, and you know, and like pushed, pushed off as much as they pushed me and, you know, in, you know, in a good way. And, uh, you know, it's just... Uh, and I came up there. I was I was super excited to do it. You know, I'm real fired up to do the the gig. And so, um, you know, that's what I, I you know think that really helps out with, uh, you know, on my side is, um, you know, I'm not trying to pat my own back or anything, but you know, just just uh, the, the you know the, a newfound energy to the band finally me, I guess you could say, you know. Okay. And w- what was most surprising when joining the band? Is there anything that really caught you initially to say, wow, you know, I wasn't expecting this, or was everything pretty much, you know, you were already uh, sort of waiting for everything that came your way? Uh, yeah, you know, I played professional band before, um, but, you know, this was um, just, I mean, it's surprised, I guess you could say, um, you know, the uh, the amount of friends this this band had in the industry was pretty cool, and, and 
and uh, the amount of respect that Nonpoint has from, you know, bands that are really big to really small or whatever, you know, the, um, and, the, you know, the pretty much just the, uh, it was pretty cool the way the fans embraced me and, and, and the uh, fellow, uh, you know, musicians in the industry did too. And, uh, and that was, it was a really good feeling, you know. Uh, that was probably the most surprising, like, wow, this is, you know, it's pretty neat that, you know, the, you, know it's, you know, you got, you got a band like, you know, Nathalie, it's a band that's, uh, you know, people keep close to their heart, you know, and, and um, you know, you don't know how they're going to react to, uh, you know, and I like reading reviews, like, oh, I didn't know what the new guy did. He definitely does a job and definitely, you know, brought it to some other level and blah, blah. So, you know, it's, um, I've heard nothing but good stuff, you know what I mean? So, uh, it's, it's, that, that was a really good, you know, surprise, you know, surprise for me. Okay. Gotcha. And there were no, um, no type of initiation when you first, uh, joined the band, no, uh, paddling or anything like that? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. I think actually they made a rule, like, to, and told the crew not to do anything goofy like that. I don't know why. I could take a joke and which is the next guy I can. So I would, I know, it wouldn't have bothered me. But no, man, it was nothing like that. It was more just like, you know, we're, we we need to write a great record. That was not it. So that was that was my hazing was, you know, writing the good record. There you so, go. That that's cool. How did um, how did you guys um decide on using Greg and Chad from Mudvayne to produce the album? Uh, but yeah, we had a a bunch of producers that I had that we were you know wanted to uh, we were looking at and um, we did uh, the uh, what you call it, the uh, tour with um, with those guys last year, the on their their last record, the new game. Right. And um, they, uh, you going right now? Hold on a second. Uh, I'm, I, uh, it's a lot. Uh, but uh, yeah, they basically. I'm um, sorry. They first talked to me. That's all right. That's uh, all right. <laughs> they, yeah, we did a new game tour with those guys, and um, they. Uh, we're talking about doing some production. They they were talking about they wanted to start producing some records and whatnot. And you know, obviously those guys know a thing or two about putting out some good songs. You know, so um, and a lot of our fans are you know the same. Mud and Nonpoint fans go together like they go together really good. You know, so uh, right. We uh, started started just throwing some stuff on the road when we were out the last tour with those guys, and then um, said so, you know let's, let's kind of keep going with this. And I had a meeting, sit down meeting with them, and. Uh, they said they wanted to do it, and then we just said, all right, you guys, you know, you guys are producers, and um, easy as that, really. I mean, really, really wasn't a whole lot to it, but just having a few drinks and talking about, you know, <laughs> uh, what we wanted to achieve in, in this record and, and uh, basically agreeing on it, you know? Okay, cool. And tell us a little bit more about the songwriting process. Is there one main songwriter within Nonpoint? Do you guys all bring you know, the goods to the table and everyone just adds their pieces to it. Uh, how does that all come about? Yeah, uh, that's, you know, uh, a lot of times it'll start with a riff, you know, and it'll mean Ken will come up with a riff and whatnot. And a lot of times it builds off of that. And then, you know, everybody comes up with different ideas. But, uh, you know, life says all the vocals and all the uh, melodies and lyrics. And, um, you know, basically we just give him, we give him the songs and, uh, you know, he might make some input on you know what he might think is it could be changed or whatnot, and in the song. But uh, a lot of times it's just you know came up with a riff or some of the stuff I had written. I had some of the stuff written years ago, you know. So um, it's kind of funny. There's some of the songs actually that I just used to jam in my bedroom that are on the record, you know. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, that's that's pretty much it. It's not it's, it's not rocket science or anything, really. It's just, right. I mean, sometimes I just come up with something. Some of the best stuff, you know, we come up with is just right on the spot, bam, right there. You know, it's just like, it's uh, it's sometimes just throw my changes. Like, oh, that was good. Leave it. You know, and sure. I mean, I, I can think of a couple of songs on there where I just came up with a riff, literally, on the second, like, on the, and it was the same riff that I recorded and was on the record on, on Miracle right now. You know, so. You know, that's it. I mean, you always hear, you know, bands say, oh, it was the last song we did, and it was, like, we did a song, like, two minutes, and it's our big hit song, like, Black, like Paranoid, the Black Sabbath or something, but... Right. You know, sometimes that really is, it's not just a cliche, it's really the truth, you know? Okay. And so actually putting, like, a, um, almost like a timetable on the, uh, the writing process could take years because obviously you had some of these riffs before coming in and recording the album so it isn't like you're saying where you know you guys just sat down in a room and came up with everything in like two weeks no no it was about a year it was like a year it was about a year to really get the 12 songs or 13 songs whatever it was that we really wanted to do we had some more songs it was probably like 20 25 songs and then Random riffs and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was about it was about a year of us in, in this in, in a little our practice spot, just you know, just hammering it out, you know, trying to trying to make the best record we could. You know, a lot of pressure on this one too. To, right. You know, you got a new label and and all that good stuff. You gotta you uh, you know, I mean, everyone wants to do the best, you know. So that's just kind of the way it goes. But we really, really, you know, had to make sure that this was gonna be a killer. You know, we had a lot to prove on this one. So right. Yeah. Okay. And um, the actual recording of the album, how long did that take? That only took three weeks. I was up in uh, Racing, Wisconsin, and that was uh, that took that took no time at all. That was um, we had had the songs pretty much because we had you know traded out the songs to Greg and Chad on the internet, and um, we just sent them to them back and forth. So we knew what the songs were going to really sound like, and then uh, all the changes were pretty much made. So basically, we just uh, you know, basically, we went in there, you know, jammed a couple of nights, and then, you know, set up the full band and jammed a couple of nights, and uh, they just uh, basically said, uh, all right, let's go record this tomorrow. <laughs> Started on drums, knocked those out, and then uh, vocals always probably take the most time because those are, you know, the vocal cords, such a finicky instrument, you know, so, right. um, you know, that that, took, that was the last thing to do, and then, uh, you know, yeah, but three weeks a month is what it took. It was actually a lot of fun. We just uh, drank a ton of whiskey and Coors Light and <laughs> had a good time, you know. <laughs> Chad and Greg, like, they did hang out and stuff. So, you know, we we, we just had a good, we, we just, they made it fun for us, you know, and it was kind of like a like a big camping trip or something, you know. It's kind of good. We all just hold up in a little house in Racine. And, uh, yeah, it was all good. Cool. And uh, how would you compare... Um, Chad and Greg style to say dance style. Um, I would say uh, you know it's basically uh, it's different styles. I mean both both people are super super dedicated um, you know musicians. I mean those are all both of those you know three of those guys are extremely passionate about what they do. You know I mean that's one thing that's that's you can't take away from those guys. They really you know Chad and Greg would not look you know you know let us settle on anything. You know, Greg was a really, Greg's a real perfectionist when it comes to, you know, tuning and making that riff perfect and and um, stuff like that. And then, you know, Chad, they both came up with it. It's funny because, you know, Chad, 
Chad would come up with great drum ideas or guitar ideas, and you know Greg would come up with great vocal melodies too. So I mean, they would, it really was kind of cool how they uh, those two just worked so great together. You know, they're right. they're, they're awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. And um, how did you guys um, decide on Miracle being the name of the album outside of being? you know, the first single and a song off the album, was there anything else that was, you know, thrown about and you guys just decided on Miracle or was it something natural from the start that you guys were going to go with that title? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really strong word, you know, Miracle. It's a pretty, it's, it, it, in, the, in the lyrics of the song, you can pretty much relate to any situation where you're struggling and trying to come out on top, whether it be a sport, a fight, um, an argument, uh, you know, uh, power struggle thing, whatever it may be, you know, you, it's, it's, uh, when you're asking about why it became the record thing, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the band's been through a lot of ups and downs, you know, in the last 10 years, I mean, um, just like any band that, you know, there's not a whole lot of bands from 2000 that are in the same genre as Nonpoint that are still around, you know? Right. A lot of them are disbanded, you know, or, uh, they, you know, they ran out of steam or they ran out of, you know, labels shut down on them and they kind of gave up, you know, maybe. And I don't know what the whole story is on it, but, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of miraculous that, you know, it, it's amazing that we can still do this every day and come out there and the fans show up every day. So, it's, you know, it's all about the fans, really. It's all about going out there and, and uh, having all, you know, see them all excited and, and hearing the, how excited they are to hear a new record and, um, you know, I, you know, it's just, I guess you could say, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's not cheesy or anything. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of a miracle that, you know, we could still do this and still fill rooms and still get great tours and, you know, make great music. You know, it's not like we're surprised that we made a good record. We're just, you know, we're just happy. And in the state, you know, and more of it is the state of the music business, how crappy it is. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. awful, you know, so, which is why we started our own record label, too, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it, that's probably the number one reason that so many bands fold the fact of the talent there's such great bands out there that just you know never you know you know maybe come to fruition or, or, or get signed or even get signed and they get dropped you know or shelved because you know they, they, they don't care about you they don't care about how good your song is they just care about whatever dollar they're going to make and, and there's not much money for them to make these days so they're going to take take and take and uh you know we're uh we're in the best position i think this band might you know has ever been in and you know as far as stability and whatnot right well i think you uh touch on a good point there there are a lot of bands that do put out you know great albums but mm -hmm. they don't have that break to get on you know a good tour to be able to bring that album to people you know and actually they don't, have, like, they don't have like you know the, the politics of being getting on the radio however they because their label sucks or whatever maybe you know it's like right there's so many different variables and you know i, I don't think you can blame the band so much you know for and so it's a lot more than that, but yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, I agree with you. Um, what about shooting the video for Miracle? What was that like? Um, yeah, that was done like a real. That was a last minute thing, actually. We just uh, our label, our our label. We have people that work called Rocket Science. It's in conjunction with our own label, which is Nine Five Four Records, and it's in conjunction with Sony and Red. And I don't know. I think on the back of our CD, there's probably going to be about eight hundred different titles, but no. <laughs> It's Rocket Science, Sony, Red, 954, all together. But anyway, they called us up and they said that they had, uh, you know, this guy named Rage. He's done so many. He's, he's done a ton of big videos, big director guy. And, and uh, he said, you know, we got him just for today, and, and you guys got to come out next week. So we said, yeah, let's do it, you know. 
And, uh, you know, he had the idea of, you know, getting some hot girls that, and have them beat the hell out of each other and stuff like that. <laughs> so that's pretty much it. It was fun to shoot it. You know, we got to, we got our, our, our solo parts out of the way, each person, and then we went and uh, watched girls, you know, <laughs> get sweaty and punch each other in, in, in little short shorts. So it was really fun. I mean, that's pretty much it. It was a, it was a good time. <laughs> So, so there was a real um, a sense of emergency on on the part of the band to actually get their parts out of the way to actually focus on the good stuff. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the first thing that's important. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, was this the first video that you shot? With Nightpoint, yeah, yeah. Okay. The first video with Nightpoint's done since uh, well, Alive and Kicking, which has been about. Geez, like four years ago, I think. I'm not sure, yeah. Okay. So, it's good to have, you know, have a video out again. It just came out on MTV last week, which was really cool. Oh, that's cool. My uh, bass player said he saw it. We were on the tour bus, and he uh, didn't wake anybody up. So, Ken just watched it and had a good time by himself watching it. But, <laughs> you can wake me up next time it's on. But, uh, <laughs> we actually just hosted Headbangers Ball on MTV, too. So, I have my, my TiVo ready for that one. <laughs> cool. And it'll be on there again, yeah. Cool, very cool. Um, yeah. As far as gear is concerned, what are you currently playing? I proudly play uh, EVH amps heads. Uh, the heads in the cabinets—they're made by Eddie Van Halen. They're—they're right. um, they're not made by PV. Everybody has that. And they think that 5150 is still PV. You know, that's PV. You know, but uh, these are a new line that. He, put, he he made and they're the best amps I've ever played in the world, and they don't pay me to say that. I just love them, you know. And um, right. they're, they're great. I'm playing those right now. I'm playing. Uh, currently, I'm working on a signature Jackson right now, and I'm trying to get some new ideas. And I want to do like a whole new body style in one, and and everything like that. So, kind of come up with ideas for that. And um, got these new EMG X pickups. Pickups are but they're have an X in the end, so they uh, right. have a bit more headroom. They're great. I love those a lot. Of, a lot of artists that used to use the EMG 8185 set are now switching over to the EMG X 8185s, and uh, they're just killer. They, they crush. They're awesome. They sound perfect with the amps and the guitars that I'm using. And um, right now I'm just playing some. I brought some old Gibsons on the road, and Mike from Stain was cool enough. The guitar player Mike Moshax was uh, right. gave me one of his new signature PRS baritones that I'm currently playing for the lower tune stuff, like Bull with a name on it, and anything off into the Pain that record. Um, that was really cool of him. He's just a great guy. And uh, he had a new baritone that came out, and I needed a new baritone. So um, he hooked me up. So, And, uh, you know, I'm using that from PRS. But, uh, yeah, pretty much, you know, I'm using all Dunlop uh, pedals now, too. I'm using strictly just Dunlop um, delays and power boost. And, it's, you know, my rig's pretty easy. It's not really – I like to keep it, you know, simple. And it's basically then the same rig that – you know, I thought I felt comfortable with, I don't like a bunch of crazy 10-foot racks with, uh, you know, 800 <laughs> different effects and stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't really use a whole lot of stuff like that. So, right. Uh, you know, I use some overdrive pedals and whatnot with Dunlop and, uh, and a, a new buddy guy, Wawa pedal. You can be talking about gear, I'll talk to you forever about it, but uh, <laughs> I'll probably bore everybody. But, yeah, um, no, I love all the gear I have. And, you know, th- like, you know thankfully I've, had, I've met a lot of great um, sponsors since I joined the band and then, and um, they're totally taking care of me, you know, and uh, really happy with everything I got. Okay. And actually, 
you're not boring anyone because during the episodes that I don't ask people about gear, it's when I get emails saying, dude, you should have asked them about, you know, what a setup is like. You know, I want to know more about what he used in the studio. It's like, you can't win. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, it's what I used in the studio was the same I used live. And, and it's just those EVH amps are the coolest thing on the planet. You know, I, uh, and I first plugged in when I was at Sam Ash. I was like, "Whoa, holy cow! This is, this is wow! This is something else, you know." So, right. I was already with Jackson, and uh, then Jackson was tied in with EVH. And I called up my guy. I said, "Yeah, I'll send you one out." I said, "Cool." And then uh, I got a couple. Well, basically, I'm running two heads together, two EVH heads, and I'm running right. one head with a slight delay, like a like a half millisecond delay or something like that. I'm not sure. I did check to get a little bit of a stereo. It's an old Mick Mars trick from Malibu, you know, to get like a stereo sound where your sounds aren't going to be it spreads it spreads your sound out a little more so we're at two heads together right. and then two cabinets they go into each other own cabinet and actually going to get a couple more cabinets from them too because uh got some real big shows coming up this summer and uh you know i'll be getting some new stuff so i'll probably have four cabs but uh yeah pretty much uh just the uh emgs in my axis through the uh dunlop pedals through the um I didn't really think of the amp, you know, in a while. It's just really just a, just a cool, crushing, hard rock tone, you know? Right. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I just, um, God forbid, a few weeks back, and Doc Coyle actually had the EVH heads as well. Oh, did he? Cool. Everybody's playing them. They're, they're, I think they might take over the world <laughs> and uh, and be the only amp ever. Cause just, they're just growing. Like, every single day I've seen more and more people using them, and... Just got some other artists hooked up with them too, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why any, you wouldn't play them if you played. And, yeah, actually, they work for this. They're, they're really versatile. I mean, they work for any style, country, rock, metal. I mean, it's it's awesome. It's a great amp. You know, they they did a lot, a lot of work, and it. it took a lot of time to produce, you know, in production to make that amp. So, yeah. Cool. Very cool. So all the gearheads <laughs> will be uh, happy. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, real quickly, what did uh, what did you tune to on the album? Oh, the album just drops. It's a C G C F A D. Just sets the whole stuff down, and then from um, A forty, and then uh, the little strings wrapped on the C. So it's like drop C. Okay, that's gotcha. the whole record. We did that. Whole, yeah, whole thing in that tuning. Yeah. What um, gauge strings are you using? Are you using tens and a half, elevens? What do you got on there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean actually, I've been Bernie Ball for a long time. They've been friends of this band forever, so that's another great spot. That's another great company I work with. Um, they, uh, I'm using the uh, not even slinky set, the yellow set, and then uh, on the baritone, I'm using uh, there's there's a new set called the baritone, just called the baritone Ernie Ball baritone set, and um, you know, I think it's like a kind of look at them, but I, I want to say my low is like a 56. It's kind of a custom set, but it's it's, it's a custom set you could buy. You know what I mean? It's not right. like I, it's not my custom set or anything. It's just whatever. They're called not even slinky, and that's they hold tune great, you know. And I can I can get a few shows out of them before I have to change them. Right. But, you know. So. Okay. Cool. cool. And talking about um, playing live, uh, how many songs off of Miracle are you guys going to be doing? Uh, coming up on your live dates? Uh, yeah, well, basically we've been out for the last nine weeks so far, and okay. um, we've uh, been doing a co-headlining thing, and um, I uh, 
we played two songs off of this, uh, for this some more of the crowd. Of course, we played Miracle, you know, and then uh, rotating in a, you know, a couple other songs in there. But um, I think once the record comes out, we'll probably play, you know, probably one to three songs off of it. And then, you know, the band's got such a long catalog that we have to, uh, you know, play, try and get a little bit from each record in there because everybody has their favorite record, you know, so. Right. Um, <laughs> the fans, that is, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's going to email, why didn't you guys put this song, that song, this song? So we try to, try to, you know, make them happy as we can, you know. But, uh, yeah, we're doing two right now, and uh, we'll probably be doing three once the record comes out. People get a little more familiar with the songs. And, you know, I know when, I, when I'm, a, as a fan of bands, I love seeing them play, you know, a few new songs at the record, and some bands just play one or two, and I don't I think three is a good amount at least, you know. Okay. And um, the album... That's the way we tour, too. I'm sorry, I cut you off there for a second. Oh, no, so I was just saying, especially the way we tour and the amount of touring we do, that we hit so many markets at the same time, you know? And we're definitely conscious of that, too. We want to, we know how many times we played this, this you, know, you know, whatever town it was in a year, so we want to, you know, change the setup a little bit, you know? Right, I got you. Yeah. And um, yeah. is there any place that you haven't played yet where you'd like to play? Uh, Yeah, we're playing... Uh... The Download Festival in uh, oh, cool. the the UK, you know that's that's been a dream of mine. Since I was a little kid watching, you know, you know, a bunch of bands play over there when I was so you know when I was little. But uh, yeah, we're doing that show this year, which should be pretty uh, pretty insane. We're doing Rock of the Range, that'll be really cool. Um, some other stuff that I don't think I can say yet, but uh, it's gonna be really big, really badass. Yeah. Okay. Don't don't want to uh, you know get you into any trouble. So. <laughs> no, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's one of the most uh, common uh, things that come up. Yeah, we have something on the horizon, but I can't tell you what. So. Yeah. <laughs> happens all the time. No no problem at all. But soon, if you if you go to myspace.com/slash/nonpoint. Okay. Or nonpoint on Facebook, you'll see it soon. It'll be soon. <laughs> okay. Cool. And uh, the album actually comes out in a few weeks. Um, when it's out, I'm assuming that it'll be out on iTunes, Best Buy, and all of the, you know, usual places. Yep, it'll be all the places. Amazon. You can pre-order off of Amazon right now, or you can pre-order on iTunes too. Um, yeah, you know, Best Buys. Uh, yeah, you know, we can, you know, normally get CDs. We got good distribution, so it'll be out there. And of course, if you just want to get a digital copy. You can just click on a button and get it no problem too. Cool. Very cool. But the packaging is really cool though, so I kinda encourage uh to check out the packaging. It's pretty neat. It's kind of an innovational thing that uh a label's doing. It's kind of a little bit it's like a little three D kind of thing going on. You know, it's it's pretty neat. It's not like three D glass, it's more three dimensional three dimensional uh actual packaging. So it's pretty cool. So you know, check out the C D if you if you are inclined.
go a little non-point with crazy. I want to thank Zach for coming on the show and also want to thank Kim from 60 Cycle Media for setting everything up. Uh, if you're into Mudvayne, if you're into Slipknot, you know, some of the more modern uh, metal acts or modern hard rock acts that are popular at the moment, uh, I would definitely check out this Nonpoint album. It is much, very much along the lines of a lot of these acts, and I think you can definitely notice the influence that uh, both Chad and Greg from Mudvayne had um, on the album with their production and everything else, especially with that first single, Miracle. And uh, speaking of Slipknot, uh, just read late last night that unfortunately uh, Paul Gray was found uh, dead in a hotel back in Iowa. And uh, we've had a, a string of metal deaths there, you know. Um, started out with Rev from Avenged Sevenfold, uh, Pete Steele from Typo Negative, uh, Ronnie James Dio, and now Paul Gray. I don't know what, uh, what what's happening within the metal community, you know. Um, it's, it's very unfortunate. My thoughts and prayers go out to uh, not only Paul Gray, uh, his family, the bands he's involved with, and uh, all the fans. And the same with all the rest of the acts. Um, this is something that I mentioned during uh, the Dio special that I did for Mark Striegel Radio. You know... Um, I honestly didn't want to go out and do like a Pete Steele type uh, show that I did with one of my podcasts. Uh, The reason that the Pete Steele thing worked out was because, you know, I had spoken to Joey Z from Life of Agony on several occasions, and he had direct contact with Pete. So, you know, there was a lot of insight there, and there were things that we had touched upon with Pete, or regarding Pete in previous interviews. I also had Dan Lorenzo come on, and we spoke a little bit about Pete Steele as well, but it was someone that had come in contact with um, Pete Steele himself. Uh, with Dio, on the other hand, there were people that I interviewed. You know, Ripper Owens uh, is managed by Dio's wife. Uh, Dio's drummer, Simon Wright, does play with Ripper Owens as well for his solo act. You know, so... I could have gotten, you know, I could have reached out to Ripper, but, you know, I think everything that Ripper could have possibly said, he's already done in other interviews. You know, all of you have seen the different tributes on Blabbermouth, and, you know, honestly, what could I add to that that wasn't actually done? I think Eddie Trunk did a very heartfelt uh, show. You could tell that he was, you know, uh, shaken that, you know, uh, Dio was a good friend of his, and, and rightfully so. You know, if someone has touched you um, to that extent and you put something together, you know, it, it makes sense. As far as, you know, me, uh, Dio did touch me. Obviously, it's somebody that I grew up with, and um, it really did affect me. You know, I didn't do the podcast last week, sort of, uh, because, you know, I was sort of in a haze and. You know, there there were a bunch of other factors involved as well. I spent like a week listening to nothing but Dio music and, and whatnot. And, you know, it's someone that I felt that I kind of grew up with. And I know a lot of people have said that um, since the death of Dimebag Daryl that uh, they haven't been as impacted by a musician's death or by an artist's death. And, uh, you know, 
I think the situation with Dimebag is very different. Dimebag's situation is going to be different to anyone else's death because the circumstances were so, so special and so specific and so horrendous with with what happened to him. With Dio, you know, Heaven and Hell was supposed to tour. I had actually purchased tickets to a festival specifically because they were one of the bands playing. And, uh, you know, a week before... They'd canceled the tour, and you know you'd heard that Dio had been upset with uh, Gloria. Or I'm sorry, uh, with Wendy. Gloria's is uh, Geezer's wife. Uh, he was upset with Wendy Dio, and uh, for canceling those dates. And you know, and he was at the Golden God, so it gave you you know aspiration that uh, perhaps um, you know he was going to you know, recover and everything else, but unfortunately things were, um, uh, things didn't pan out, you know, um, what we have to do is just keep his memory alive with his music, and, uh, that will live on forever, you know, he's obviously one of the most influential singers in not only hard rock and metal, but in all music in general, you know, you have to realize that how many of his songs, you know, are on classic rock radio on a daily basis. How many of his songs, you know, have been used, you know, in commercials or things like that? You know, so it extends beyond hard rock and metal. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I was sort of debating whether to comment on something uh, regarding Dio or not during this podcast because I honestly don't want people to think that I'm taking advantage of the situation just to get people, you know, uh, to listen to this podcast or what I do. These are my honest thoughts, you know, and I could have gone out and sent press releases out for the different uh, Dio specials that I did, but I didn't um, because I, you know, I felt that the shows that I did, you know, were my thank you to Ronnie James Dio. You know, I honestly didn't feel like I had to go out and receive press regarding what I did for for those shows. And uh, I'm not saying that what other people did was good or bad or or indifferent. You know, it's up to everyone in their best judgment um, as to what their motivations are to put a specific show together. Uh, Clearly, I didn't feel, you know, right with doing, again, something that I did similar with the uh, Pete Steele tribute show. Um, Also, with regards to Paul Gray... Uh, what I'll probably do with this week's Mars Attacks is is play a bunch of different, you know, Slipknot songs, but uh, that'll probably be the extent of it. And not because I don't love Slipknot, because I think they're a very talented and great band. And uh, this past Sunday, for some reason, I started listening to Snuff and Vermilion. You know, I was just in a mood to listen to those songs. And, and Monday, leading up to um, when I heard that Paul had passed away, um, I'd listened to the songs a bunch of times, you know, it was sort of uh, a, a coincidence there, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I really have always enjoyed Slipknot, they've always had songs that have really, um, have really brought you, brought you a bunch of different extremes, you know, that extreme uh, heaviness in their music, and they've also been able to do things like Snuff and, and Vermilion, which, you know, you could feel like a Pink Floyd influence in there, or different things, and just bring you something completely different. But uh, anyway, what we're going to do is wrap the show up with a cover 
that uh, Nonpoint did uh, of a Pantera classic, Five Minutes Alone, which is on Miracle as well. Uh, before doing so, want to remind you to check out the podcast. Obviously, if you're listening to this, go back and check out previous podcasts. Uh, you will find them on uh, MarsAttacksRadio.com. Uh, you can also sign up for the Twitter. You can sign up for the Facebook group and for the MySpace as well. Uh, also, there is all my Spanish language stuff, which is Fusion Sonica. With Fusion Sonica, um, you will find everything from interviews to various uh, music shows. It really depends on you know um, who I've been able to get a hold of, and and if not, you know, similar to what I do with Mark Striegel Radio, just play a bunch of great tunes. So uh, that's pretty much it. I appreciate you for listening to this show. Hope you've enjoyed it. And hope you come back and check out uh, future episodes of the Mars Attacks podcast. We will now leave you off with Nonpoint and their version of Five Minutes Alone. See ya. <laughs>